Hi, and welcome to I Guess We're Grownups Now. I'm your host, Carrie Halstead, and we're here exploring what it means to be a grown-up and how we can be and become the kind of adults we want to be. You can find I Guess We're Grownups Now on the Good Stuff Podcast Network. Sponsor links and pointers to things I talk about on this episode are at the following website, goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash seven. I'm also on Twitter at grownups underscore fm. And the podcast is published to iTunes, where you can download, rate, and if you like it, post a review. As always, I have an acknowledgement of the episode, where I take time to thank someone who has inspired me as an adult and as a podcaster. Today's acknowledgement is to Catherine Fryer, a woman who was once my manager at IBM, and who told me in the midst of a personal slash professional crisis to make sure I was taking care of myself. More about her later in this episode. And this is my quote of the episode by the great feminist and writer Audre Lorde. Caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. Slight change of format today, this episode is just me. My topic, taking care of your own self, is a very personal one, and I find I have lots to say about it. However, one thing remains the same. I have no theme music yet. The internet is an amazing thing. You can do all manner of stuff on it, and it's a great place for having disagreements. Of course, I think we can all agree that one of the most useless, least grown-up things a person can do with their time on the internet is to make tweets that say, I haven't tweeted in a while, Facebook status updates that say, I wish I had something to say, or a blog post that reads, Sorry for not blogging, I've been so busy. This is not a podcast where I talk about why there hasn't been a new episode of I Guess We're Grownups Now since mid-October. You probably haven't even noticed that. This is, however, an episode about self-care, which is not unrelated to why it's been nearly three weeks since I released an episode and even longer since I recorded. So let's talk a little more about Catherine, the woman I acknowledged at the start of this episode. My former manager who told me to take care of myself. The day she told me this, I'd come to her for help. I'd recently returned to work after having my first child, and I had been made a manager of a development team. It was a day in late June, and I'd arrived at work late after battling traffic, dropping my kid off at daycare, battling more traffic, only to find an inbox full of problems I didn't know how to deal with. I started crying and found I couldn't stop in the office. I was alarmed and went to Catherine looking for help. Like any good manager, she told me to take the day off, and then she explicitly gave me career advice. Take care of myself. No one else was taking care of me, or indeed could take care of me through my crisis. Taking care of myself, she said, would be the path to surviving the crisis and future success, however that was to be defined. Of course, the day off helped. I stopped crying, had time to myself, ate at a great restaurant, and got a couple of errands run that otherwise would have been more things on the to-do list, keeping me away from family time or from work problem-solving time. But her advice also helped me reprioritize what I did when in the future I found myself panicking beyond feeling stressed out. And it inspired me to also have a plan for taking care of myself when I wasn't at the end of my rope, before I got there. I want to talk about how the lessons I learned as a result of that little breakdown have affected me for the last 10 years. The last couple of weeks, for example, have been a little overwhelming. 
I managed to line up two different podcast guests. Both had to back out for their own personal reasons, reasons that were very much theirs and affecting them very directly, but were serious enough and relatable enough that they even made me feel stressed out and fearful. The Giangameshi kerfuffle was all over the news, and women all over my Twitter feed were talking about their own horrifying experiences with drive-by abuse. That street harassment video made the rounds. See the show notes if you haven't seen it. My husband Mark and I started talking about street harassment after he saw the video. As I mentioned before, we've been together for over two decades, and it was news to him that I'd ever been street harassed, and it's happened a lot. If you're a guy, consider that's how inaccessible a woman's life is to you. That you could be married to somebody for 20 years and not know the struggles they deal with. I realized how much pressure I and many other people are constantly under just keeping up appearances. All of these stresses, most of which weren't about me directly, weren't even really interferences with my life, added on top of a minor cold, my job, my kids, just life in general, was more than I could handle, and I had to let podcasting sit unattended for a while. And I chose to be at peace with that, because dropping priority number five or six is a necessary part of self-care, even if priority number five or six has hundreds of listeners. Self-care is a signal of adulthood. Handling your own stress without making it other people's problem is a grown-up thing to do. This doesn't mean you do it alone. Knowing you need to talk to a counselor or a friend or a blog, whatever your strategy is, is self-care. Getting to the point where you know what your strategies are, that is growing up. For many years, after moving out of my childhood home, I struggled with wanting a parent to step in and tell me what to do, see a doctor, do my homework, clean my house, file my taxes, get some exercise. It was like I kind of had an idea that I'd feel better if I did these things, but I kept looking outside myself for someone to give me permission or motivation to do them. For me, being an adult means knowing what I need to do and just doing that without getting a cookie for doing it. Connected to self-care are some key grown-up habits or practices or the less douchey term, things. Some people learn the things as a young person, I suppose, and good for them. The more of those things you have at your command, the easier it is to get to self-care. Sometimes, if I lose focus, I'll drift away from some of the things and find myself having an anxiety attack, and then it's time to figure out which of the good things I've dropped and get back on track. Thing number one is having a business-as-usual pace that is sustainable. Living at a rate where every few weeks or months you break down is not the adult thing to do. You let down friends and colleagues, you miss out on fun, and you set a bad example for your kids. To get to that reasonable place, you have to learn thing two, the fine art of saying no. There are 1,437 internet articles written about how to get better at saying no. They are all really important and true, and you need to read all of them. No, if you really struggle with this, just Google saying no and read a couple, and then actually pick a couple of activities or burdens in your life to say no to. Saying no to things that aren't important to you frees you up to say yes to things, but only if there's still space in the day. You only get 24 hours, same as everybody else. If you want to be able to do late-breaking awesome things, you need to do thing number three, building buffer into your life schedule. 
This has two excellent benefits. A, you get to be impulsive or at least look impulsive because you can say yes to awesome things on the spot. And B, if nothing else comes up, then you get downtime in which to do nothing, which is probably good since you're an adult. Thing number four is not holding yourself to unreasonable standards. Sometimes you need to tell the voice in your head to shut it. Of course, this requires recognizing that there is a voice in your head and that you listen to it. That voice could be your boss, your spouse, your parent, your first grade teacher, moisturizer and shampoo commercials, some dude in a how to get rich book, parenting so-called experts on TV or um, podcasts, that kid you dated in high school, strangers at the grocery store, you name it. You have this voice in the back of your head telling you stuff. Make your own standards about what's good enough for your life. Make sure you like and understand the standards you set for yourself. Acknowledge when you've met your standards and celebrate when you exceed them and don't listen to the voice in your head or let it set those standards for you. Thing number five is knowing when you've had enough rest and are ready to kick it into gear again. There's no point staying on the couch. Evaluate your standards and values and think about when it's time to lower or raise them so that you're happy with them. Okay, a short sponsor break. I Guess We're Grownups Now is sponsored by Campaign Monitor. Campaign Monitor enables good stuff to create beautiful newsletters, and working with them is fun. If you need to set up a newsletter for yourself or a client, Campaign Monitor is the way to go. Campaign Monitor features Canvas, an easy-to-use builder for creating email newsletters that look great everywhere, including mobile devices. Thousands of their customers are using Canvas to reinvent what they send. Try creating a template for free at campaignmonitor.com canvas. Thanks to Campaign Monitor for supporting good stuff and I guess we're grownups now. Okay, I want to get personal for a bit and talk about my own strategies for self-care. Maybe you identify with some of it, maybe you don't. It won't look identical to this for you. But maybe if you struggle with anxiety or being too busy all the time, this can help trigger some identification for you that will help you reach your own ability to care for yourself. For me, a big part of adulthood was being able not just to recognize when I'm overwhelmed, but being able to predict it, hoping thereby to avoid it. Here's an annoyingly long list of things I've come to realize lead up to me having what feels like at the time an inexplicable crisis where I feel like quitting everything and that everything is hopeless. Sleeplessness. If I have coffee too late or I play a late night game of soccer and don't get enough sleep. Being sick. Eating the wrong kind of food or not eating food. Having a too busy or overscheduled day or having too many of those in a row. Personal stress like relationships or money or kids at school or car problems or house repairs. Having medical problems, dealing with my own or somebody else's allergies, injuries, undiagnosed things. Procrastination on paperwork and the fear of those things that you really should do and just haven't gotten done. Uh, Premenstrual syndrome, which for many years I had been taught didn't actually exist and so I resisted the idea that it was PMS causing me stress. Not enough exercise or me time. Life drama, even if it's not negative, even if something kind of awesome is happening but it's dramatic, it's distracting and draining. My hobbies can be draining, even if they're fun. Personal confrontation, 
drains me. Like if I have a fight with a stranger or with somebody on the internet, even if it's just momentary and in passing and completely trivial, that that drains me. World events can drain me. Gamergate, ISIS, drama on Twitter, just paying attention to those things can be draining. So basically everything. Sometimes I think that if a catastrophe ever strikes, I'll be the first to die since I require three meals, snacks, a nightcap, and eight hours of sleep every day. And I better not be on day 26. I try to imagine what it'd be like if I were caught in a Katrina-like disaster. I may be dead or freaking out or useless. Is giving myself self-care making me soft? Or is practicing how to prioritize my time and attention and energy actually my strength and would prove beneficial in an emergency? I don't know. If I live through a disaster, I'll be sure to update you. That'll make a good podcast. What drains you? What things lead up to you feeling out of control for no rational reason? Think about that while I mention to you our second sponsor, Mandrel. Mandrel is a scalable, reliable, and secure email infrastructure service trusted by more than 300,000 customers. It's easy to set up and integrate with existing apps, and it's really fast too. With servers all over the world, Mandrel can deliver your email in milliseconds. Detailed delivery reports, advanced analytics, and a friendly interface means your entire team, from developers to marketers, can easily monitor and evaluate email performance. Sign up with promo code GOODSTUFF and you'll receive 50,000 free email sends per month for your first six months of service. Thank you to Mandrill for supporting goodstuff.fm and I guess we're grown-ups now. If you have a business, doesn't have to be tech-related, and want to sponsor I Guess We're Grownups Now, please get in touch using the contact links at goodstuff.fm slash grownups. So in order to stave off helplessness and inaction in the face of real or imaginary catastrophes, I found that it's good to have default plans that I just do instead of irrational reacting like rage quitting my job, screaming at my loved ones, dropping out of all the hobbies or community involvement that I actually enjoy. Here are things I do as defense mechanisms. First, I name and recognize the anxiety. For me, this usually involves standing in my kitchen, looking out the window where there's basically nothing to look at, and examining what voices are playing in my head and what unreasonable standards I'm holding myself to. Having a specific geographical location where I do this is helpful because it reminds me that I've been there before and I got through it and that I have a plan for self-care. I take hours off work. Sometimes, instead, I choose to actually buckle down and do more work and lose myself in that. I try not to vent about my personal life at work. I take a nap. Sleep is magical. I make sure I eat either really healthy food or what I find to be comfort food, and lots of it. For me, this is not the time to cut out food. See episode four with Garth, wherein we discuss my hangriness. I talk to my sister, mostly because she understands being overwhelmed by anxiety and is a sympathetic ear. One of the things I will often let go of during this time is house cleaning. But just like work, another alternative strategy is to lose yourself in housework. I turn off Twitter. I find that while it is such a great source of information and and interesting people, It's also a super drain and just a gateway to anxiety. 
Another great way to deal with the stress is to exercise or do something creative. This is not news. This is not anything new that I'm saying here. I'm just saying that sometimes I have to remind myself to do these things because when I'm in the midst of a crisis, I don't think of them. One important thing I do is to let my husband and my kids know that I'm out of sorts. This can be just as simple as saying, I'm having a bad day, I'm stressing out, I need to close the door. Part of dealing with crises as an adult is to not make them other people's crises as well, or to make them feel like maybe they're causing you stress when it's really something in the previous list causing you stress. One way to deal with crises is to adjust your plans. There's a great story in the show links about a woman in Halifax who adjusted her plans to run in the New York Marathon when her daughter took ill and needed local medical treatment. She still ran the marathon, just not in New York. And I thought it was a great way of adjusting your plans to deal with stressful situations. I've always found that a good way to deal with stress is to get something, just one thing done. So I make tons of lists when I'm stressed out and I try to knock a couple things off the list. One other thing that I do, especially when it's late at night and my stress is keeping me awake, is to answer my what if questions. What if I get fired? What if my friends hate me? What if no one listens to my podcasts? Dealing with that, those kind of questions is possibly the one thing of actual value I learned from the couple of seasons that I watched Dr. Phil so many years ago. Don't just ask, what if I fail? Answer the question realistically. The answer is usually pretty tame or at least actionable compared to the vague threat of the unaddressed what if. Another good strategy is to express gratitude. Saskatchewan blogger Ellen Morgan of schmutzy.com started a project called Grace in Small Things, which is still running. You can see them in the show links. She made lists of good things in life, not big things, small everyday things, but being mindful and thankful for even the smallest good in a roiling sea of stress can help. Laughing also helps. My go-to site for a quick hit of funny is Happy Place Tweet Picks. See the show links. Another good way to deal with the stress is to cry, but I do it in private, mostly so that other people don't try to fix things. Crying is therapeutic, not problematic in itself, but when people try to step in and make you stop crying, that's when you get problems. I like to play Just Dance with the Kids, and I love to vent. Venting is not just complaining. It's a one-sided conversation where you get to say stuff you wouldn't normally say that you don't necessarily mean as a way of outletting fear, frustration, and anger, and obsessing out the size and shape of your problem. A really good venting session might even provide you with some perspective and get some good pointers on getting help with a real problem, but that's not the primary goal. The main focus is just to let off steam. Things I make sure I don't do when I'm having a crisis. I don't argue with people. This is, can be really hard to do because sometimes it feels like the argument is the problem. It rarely is. Sometimes mid-vent, you'll find yourself arguing instead of venting. And you must exit that conversation as quickly and gracefully as possible. I find this happens with my spouse most often. And from what I hear from my friends, this is a pretty common experience. For pure venting, I'm not sure your spouse or at work your manager is a good candidate. They tend to try to fix stuff and to argue with you. Finding a venting partner who doesn't have a vested interest in making the problems go away is key to successful venting. I also try to make sure I'm not making big decisions. No quitting, no investing money, no selling your house, 
No saying yes or no to big opportunities. Defer, defer, defer when you're in a crisis. I also try to make sure I'm never comparing myself to others. This is a terrible hole to go down to and completely distracts you from getting better and doing self-care. And I try not to fantasize about how things could be better or would be better if only some other circumstance were different or to wallow for too long. One thing to notice and check yourself at is times when you feel inclined to say no to things you know make you feel better. This is a problem because if you say no to things that will improve your situation, it's a spiral that's hard to break out of and gets you into a deep funk. Noticing when you're doing it is key because you get to choose whether you'll do something you don't want to do, but which experience has shown to make you feel better. You have to force yourself to do something you don't want to do in order to feel better, even if in the moment you don't think it will work, but rationally, empirically has been shown to work. Making this decision to do that thing that rational you knows will work, this is hard, adult, and important. For me, that's why it's handy to have a mental and written list of defense strategies as a visible reminder of things you can at least try when you're feeling most helpless. Finally, there's something I do to help alleviate the stress of unfinished work, and that's called structured procrastination. See the show links for a complete description. Structured procrastination is the practice of getting things done while procrastinating. So you pick one big thing and you procrastinate on it by doing other things that are on your to-do list. So don't rue the fact that your house gets super clean when you should be doing your taxes. Embrace it. Revel in it. Use it as a strategy. What dread-filling thing is on your to-do list that you can use as your I'm ignoring this item while you get done a lot of other things on your to-do list? Of course, that assumes you have a list. I don't really know how people who don't make lists survive in life at all. I don't know. That might be a whole other episode. I hope today's episode has been interesting to you. It's certainly been cathartic for me to write up and produce, and I thank you for listening. I hope you have a great day in which you can find some time and energy to look after yourself. If you have thoughts about this episode you'd like to share, hit me up on Twitter at grownups underscore FM. Sponsor links for Campaign Monitor and Mandrill can be found along with links to the topics I discussed at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash seven. I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes so you get notified whenever there's a new episode. Feel free to leave a rating and review if you like. I guess we're grown-ups now. Also, check out the other good stuff happening on the goodstuff.fm podcast network, including Transmission, Kyle and Kenny's daily news and tech happenings show, The Gently Mad, where Adam Clark talks to fascinating people from around the web world, and Never Dig Down, in which Tim and Chris walk you through Minecraft in a way that makes more sense than when your nine-year-old nephew tries. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.